Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Nora Shearer, who's the Chief Marketing Officer at Sherman & Sterling. Nora, great to have you with us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Tell us about yourself and your firm. I'm with Sherman & Sterling, which is a global firm with more than 850 lawyers and 24 offices. As with many global law firms, we partner with corporations, major financial institutions, emerging growth companies, governments, and state-owned enterprises. Um, as for myself, I have been in the legal industry for almost 15 years. I started my career in BD um, and then moved over to become director of marketing and have been a CMO. I think now it's been seven years. Um, and I benefit from, in this role, I benefit from both the BD and marketing backgrounds. And I always say there are very few positions I could not fill in for, uh, mostly in the InDesign world, in the design world where I'm not so good with InDesign and other Adobe suite products. Um, before my career in legal marketing, I worked in finance um, in a variety of roles, including emerging market analyst. I was a stock trader at one point as well. And my last job in finance was working in bond sales at Jefferies. Ah, very good. Well, a diverse background. And speaking of diversity, you've, in addition to marketing and business development, spoken and written on this concept of diversity and leadership. I'm just curious what attracted you to that topic. So it's interesting. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm Latin. I, I'm also a woman in leadership. So I think diversity, in a sense, chose me. Um, I never thought of myself as a woman leader, a woman CMO, but rather a trader, a CMO. But I think as I've grown professionally, I understand the importance of um, owning that role and seeing myself as a woman leader. Mm -hmm. You know, I was raised in a family, in a family alongside my brother, um, who's four years older. Um, but neither my mom nor my dad ever made gender an issue. In fact, you know, I think expectations for me were always the same. Um, so that's why I never put a lot of emphasis on being, you know, part of a diverse, diversified group and leadership. Um, however, when once I became a mother, being a woman in leadership became more important to me. And not because of my daughter, um, but because of my two sons. I wanted them to see me and other women as equal to men. Um, so it was really important. But what I see now, you know, it's interesting with our generation, I, they find it so common that um, perhaps they don't realize the work that it took to get women to this place and the work that still needs to get done. Right. Um, so, and as for my daughter, you know, I, it was almost the opposite. I was always worried that she would feel the pressure of having a mom who is driven and professionally successful, that it would be difficult for her to find her own way. So um, I tried to limit my advice, uh, which I'm sure she finds totally annoying, I'm sure. <laughs> right. Well, it's your job to advise her and her job to find it annoying. That's that's, <laughs> that's, that's part of it. Part that's of, part, part of being, the deal. Yeah, part of being a mom. Right. And I tell you a funny story, um, which talks about women leadership. I remember when I used to, uh, I used to drop off my daughter um, when she was little and I used to drop her off at school. And I was like the mom, you know, wearing my work clothes and dropping her off. And one day she, she was like, I could see she was kind of like not happy about it. And one day I, she asked me, mom, can you just wear like exercise clothes? Like all the other moms. Mm. 
So I was like, oh, interesting. Here you think your, your daughter's going to be proud that you're working. It's just like horrified. Right. You know, why can't you just be like a regular mom that just goes to the gym after work, you know, after you drop me off? Well, I, I'm sure her perspective on that has changed now that she's older. I, you all, yeah, she's 18. So uh, yes, she, it has, but it's funny. <laughs> Yeah. the things you're like you realize how uncool you are in any way you behave right you know being a working woman in general is i think it's all about balance and balance is not always easy and uh, taking a leadership role certainly requires additional responsibility and um, most times you know extra hours and for a woman balancing work with home life is not always possible um, it often depends on the support system that one has at home, but also on the support system the organization provides um, and, the, and the people you work with and how, you know, supportive management is and your colleagues. So, I, you know, I'm, at home, I, I'm very lucky to have a supportive family, but at work, I've, I had many supportive colleagues. So I think it's finding that balance um, that you need um, to continue to professionally develop. But I recall many times in which I had to bring my kids to work. I, I recall booking conference rooms for my kids to study. Um, I also recall having to do doctor's appointments on FaceTime. So, you know, at which times I couldn't be there. So I think throughout, uh, for a woman throughout her career, it's always about finding the balance and finding, you know, support where you can find it. Um, so it's finding the balance between your professional life and your personal life. Um, and in fact, um, for me, um, I switched from finance to legal marketing because of the schedule and the, the flexibility it provided me. So I find this path for me that works much better with my family life. So sometimes it's finding the right organization or the right field um, in which you think you can make an impact, but really still make an impact at home. Right. Yeah. Taking leadership on every front, right? Absolutely. So you talk about balance. I'm curious about your thoughts as it pertains to balance within a business context. So, you know, if one is going to uh, be a leader at their firm. One has to take on leadership positions and volunteer to head up committees and certainly dedicate themselves to rainmaking because the more they can contribute to the top line of the firm, the more they're going to find that they have influence in the leadership decisions at the firm. Uh, talk a little bit about how one can navigate that balance. I think the choice evolves as life evolves and you make different choices depending where you are in your life. So sometimes I think I'm really good at work and perhaps not such a present mom. Um, I, I often found that I need to prioritize, but you know, when my children were little, I didn't have that much time for the networking and rainmaking or client meeting, but you know, what you would call you know, continuous professional development because I had homework to help with, dinner to put on the table. So I would, I would say that you know, perhaps in the summer when my kids were off to sleepaway camp, I put a lot more emphasis um, in being able to connect with my colleagues and network and do, you know, be more active in, in the marketplace because I had more flexibility with my schedule. So you got to find that balance um, in which in which um, you can participate, the time that you can participate the most. You know, perhaps when my children were younger, I wasn't able to be in a leadership position or I didn't want to 
take on those things. But as, you know, as my kids got older, um, I had many more opportunities to step out and connect with other business colleagues. Um, so I've been able to take on more and more um, each year. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine the same is for our attorneys. You know, they, they too have children at home and two working parents and often have to prioritize. And sometimes it may be family, sometimes it may be work, sometimes it may be rainmaking. Um, it's just finding the right balance at the right time in your life. Do you find at this stage in your career that you are sponsoring more and mentoring more than you were before? Absolutely. And I, and I have the time to do so. You know, right. I think, you know, when my children were smaller, I was sponsoring them and mentoring them. <laughs> um, you know, so now I have more time and I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I was actually speaking to a colleague not long ago and we were saying how, how great it is to be able to connect with um, women that are just starting their careers and being able to provide mentorship and help them as they, as they start thinking about their future and really like imparting on the lessons that you've learned um, with somebody that's really interested and wants you know, to have a similar path. Um, to yours. So it's been really, really um, rewarding for me. What recommendations would you have for someone who is looking to find a mentor or a sponsor uh, and is earlier in their career and, and just isn't sure how to go about it? I mean, it's kind of an awkward thing to pull someone aside and say, hey, will you be my mentor? I don't think it has to be in that format. I think um, you you need to meet people. You need to go out there and connect. And whoever you connect with, I think I think you can just keep going back to that person and asking them for advice on how they would handle certain opportunities. You know how they would manage um, certain you know situations at work. And I think ultimately you develop that mentorship uh, relationship. It doesn't have to be a woman. Um, I had a lot of mentors in my life that were men, um, and it's also been really great to get um, different points of view on how uh, different folks would manage situations. But I Mm. think it's finding that connectivity with somebody. So for me, it's something that develops gradually, and perhaps you're going to see that, you know, with some people, you're getting more feedback um, than with others, and you're going to find more rapport with a, a certain individual. So I think it's finding that, um, like I said, connectivity with, with somebody. But that's not to say that if somebody asked me to mentor them, I wouldn't be happy to do so. I just don't see it happening in that way um, as often. Right. So it sounds like it's based on chemistry, a connection that you have with another person. And then from there, uh, more informally, organically asking for their advice and building on that. Uh, that's the most common way that, the, that a mentorship relationship might form. Absolutely. And I think people sometimes are nervous to ask for that. Um, you'd be surprised. You know, I, I taught a class, I think, a while ago. And I went to... Uh, I went to University of Maryland, they asked me to come in. And after I left, um, I offered my card, I offered, um, you know, for people, anybody looking for a job in the legal industry to contact me. And you'd be surprised how few, few of them did. And when I brought this up, I think people were nervous to reach out directly. Um, and I and I just say, don't, don't be nervous to reach out to folks, people want to help. So um, I think people feel like they're imposing on your time. And actually, it's probably the most rewarding part of my job to be able to mentor others. Yeah. 
I can certainly validate that from my perspective. I've had the same experience. Uh, I'm eager to uh, offer myself up as a mentor and have uh, often just said, you know, just call me, happy to answer any questions. Don't feel awkward if you just want to say, will you mentor me for some period of time? I'm happy to do it. And yet I I agree. I think even when you open the door like that, uh, many are reluctant to step through it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not, I'm not sure why, you know, that is, um, but it's unfortunate because I think a lot of people, if they just reached out, they would have, a, they would find that a lot of people are willing to help. Yeah. I'm interested in your thoughts on how our current environment has an impact on leadership opportunities uh, at a firm uh, like yours or other firms mm-hmm. that you may have worked at. How do you see COVID-19 uh, changing all of this? Well, I mean, it's been an interesting, it's, you know, it's been an interesting time. I think any barriers to leadership related to physical proximity, such as being in a particular office or working from home, um, those are being redefined. Um, Also, um, for those who may have been effective leaders on a more traditional platform, may find themselves challenged by those who are more comfortable in a remote platform. Um, I also think that a large part of the world now is working remotely and has had to learn all the technology and they're more comfortable and they, they see that it can be done. So I don't think they would be as opposed to having somebody um, move up um, and continue to develop and while working from home because they've, they've seen that people can continue to stay engaged, um, the work gets done and people are effective even when working from home. So I think the landscape is going to change. Yeah. That's an interesting thought that geography has some influence on people's ability to lead, or at least um, it can make it more or less convenient. So for instance, you know, if you happen to be a practice group leader at a particular uh, office, of course, you're going to find yourself mentoring the people either in that group or people in that office or people who sort of have close proximity to you, uh, probably less so another office at your firm that's, you know, a thousand miles away. But now with everybody being remote, there are opportunities for people to step forward and offer leadership and offer mentorship without that uh, paradigm of geography kind of limiting their thinking. I agree. And you know what's interesting, David? I also spoken to a lot of my colleagues who thought they may like working from home. And now that they're working from home, they realize how much they prefer to be in an office environment. Um, So I think what you're going to see is you're going to see two types of leaders. There are some people that are just comfortable in an in-person environment and some people that are very comfortable in in a remote situation. So I think what it does is really create some, you know, diversity in work styles, Mm. um, which which I think we're going to see going forward. I know for myself, I I enjoy having the connectivity with with the people I work with. So I miss being in the office. so, you know, it just depends the, your personality. I was talking to somebody last week who uh, does leadership training, among other things, and he mentioned that he's seeing it to be particularly challenging among the extroverted leaders he knows because they are used to being around people. They get a lot of their energy from interacting with other people. And suddenly that's been reduced to a large degree and they aren't getting that same stimulus and inspiration from remote interactions. 
I agree. I think for some people, this is a very difficult environment and, um, and for others, it feels very comfortable. So it'll be interesting to see how we come out of this, you know, COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Well, any thoughts that you might have for our listeners who are interested in maybe taking on more leadership in our changing world? Oh, well, there's so many thoughts always, but um, I think one of the things I think that's important and we're seeing it right now um, is really the importance of adaptability. I think the world is always changing. Technology is changing. Um, leadership changes um, in your organization and those who can quickly adapt and get the job done are the ones who you will see um, that will ultimately succeed. I think that those that hold on to old processes, technology, mentality, um, you find that they may sometimes stay stagnant um, and may eventually, eventually be left behind. So I think if there's one thing we've learned through this and, and I've learned through my career in various roles with different leaders is the importance of adaptability. Um, so I say to people, get involved, challenge yourself, learn new things, connect with people outside your net network, be curious. I'm going to add one from an earlier comment you made, which is seek out mentors. Absolutely. I think, you know, like we both said, we're, we're more than happy to do it. And it's really a rewarding part of what we do. I think people who have a natural proclivity to leadership, even more than usual, are going to find themselves wanting to make a difference in the lives of others. Sometimes during a crisis, our propensity for generosity increases. You know, to be, to be able to contribute to somebody's life, contribute in their professional development, I, I would be more than happy to do it. And I think through this, we learn the importance of humanity and the, the importance of connectivity and supporting each other. Oh, great note to end on. Nora, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. And uh, I wish you well as we all navigate this difficult time. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure. I hope we can meet in person next time. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.